Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 187, uh, I believe, of the show. My name is Evan. I'll be joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. Uh, I'm not going to ask what's going on this week because, as you said, the answer is always the same. And Chelsea also didn't play. So um, how are you doing right now is the question I will ask instead. I think this week could be an exception to that question. So it's positive. <laughs> we were saying before we started recording, my little guys, we got another win. So that was positive there. Didn't have to be disappointed with Chelsea over the weekend. Um, I've had enough time to to relax after getting knocked out of the Champions League. Um, there was more effort out there. Doesn't mean there was a better product. But um now we have nothing else to play for so i have no expectations for for their sake going forward and i uh, in my personal life with my own team i'm I'm pretty happy where we are and then work-wise it's been pretty chill that's great that's fantastic stuff um i suppose we'll jump right into these games i mean I'm kind of on the opposite side uh, of where Matt is feeling this week. I'm I'm feeling a bit downtrodden. Um, yeah, just frustrated more than anything else because Arsenal, who I've put so much stock into this year, and I mean every year I care, but this year it's been a bit more because we were just so red hot even through the periods where I thought we might slip. Um, Arsenal currently three draws in their last three. Two of those. Uh, being against teams that are in and around the relegation zone. So although it looks like West Ham may have popped out of that a little bit, um, at the minute we played them, I don't think it was necessarily a sure thing that they would stay up. Uh, It's seeming ever more likely that they will stay up, but the 3-3 draw against Southampton that I had to witness on Friday before going and working for five hours uh, was an extremely tough scene. 3-3, we got scored on in the first minute. Absolute howler uh, by Ramsdale. We don't see that all that much, but it was certainly a mistake. And then Walcott scored in the 14th, done in by our our own Uh, X-Man. A lot of of really great performances from Theo Walcott in Arsenal shirt. Uh, He just was blisteringly quick in this game. He still got the pace. I'm a bit shocked at it. Um, but you know, a, a really good finish there from Walcott in the 14th. Martinelli got one in the 20th. Um, and then it, it was two one for a while. You know, we got all the way through to halftime, didn't concede. Um, somebody was, there was an issue with, um, Martinelli and whoever had started, I think it was Jan Bednarik. Uh, he sort of flipped over, uh, Martinelli on the touchline and then, uh, they subbed in Kaleta uh, uh, Car or Kaleta Char, however you want to say it. I don't know. Um, and he he latched onto a header in the 66th, and it was 3-1. I thought it was over. Arsenal built well from there. I thought we had a couple of chances, but the midfield still looked a bit shaky. Fabio Vieira was in there uh, in place of pretty much, I mean, you, you name it. It typically is... Um, who was he in there for? Who's that? Fabio Vieira. He came uh, for Xhaka. Xhaka oh, Xhaka. That's who it is. I completely lost. Um, so Xhaka's usually in there with a pivot with, with Partey and then Odegaard plays alongside them, but it's typically further up. And um, 
Vieira, I think, had a decent game, had a couple of chances, just wasn't able to get down, keep himself down on a couple of them. Sent a few over the bar, sent one right at the keeper. Uh, he came off, and then in the 88th minute, a moment of individual brilliance uh, or collective brilliance, who knows, uh, Martin Odegaard scored in the 88th, and then Saka in the 90th, 3-3. We had a, probably three chances after Saka scored, uh, to go ahead and take all three points, but ball just fizzled around in the box a couple of times, and they were able to claim it. So overall, I mean, lucky to get away with a point, I would say. I, I feel extremely lucky to get away with a point, but I am so upset with how we performed defensively. We just got caught out. Holding really isn't playing that bad either, but we're just getting exposed. We're conceding early. We're having to play from behind, or when we go ahead, we're just completely letting our foot off the gas, and things are so, so shaky at this point. I think City, more than ever, can can taste that there's blood in the water. I mean, we're certainly leaking at this point, and I think the, the young guys at Arsenal are looking behind them and saying, oh, fuck, you know, this is an absolute wagon coming right up behind us. Uh, and I'm, I'm really start, starting to feel the pressure. It is it is not like earlier on in the season when I was tuning into every game saying, we got a 90% chance of winning this game. Uh, there was a point where I was extremely confident, and going into this game against City on Wednesday, anything could happen, truly, but um, I am just not confident, man. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. The, you mentioned them just looking behind them. I think the last couple games, that's what they've been doing. And how can ever you? since? Yeah, ever since that Liverpool game when they dropped the points, there, City are just on a roll. They get they're on a six game win streak, nine games unbeaten, closing that gap. I mean, in a perfect world, Arsenal win these last three, and they're eleven points clear going into this game on Wednesday. Excuse me. So, regardless of the result, it wouldn't be the end of the world, but. Yeah, I think too many early mistakes. You're mentioning individual errors, and you're definitely seeing the play is um, their play is affected by the situation. That seems like they're more nervous on the ball and maybe be more conservative in certain moments, whereas maybe they should um, be aggressive like they were earlier in the year. It seemed like they were more carefree on the ball and uh, the free flow was working. And now you go into this game Wednesday where it's a must-win situation, whereas. Last week, two weeks ago, we would have agreed maybe if you can just get a point, that would be satisf- that would satisfy us as as uh, if we're Arsenal. But yeah, in this game in particular, I mean, just too many errors. You can't be given three goals up to bottom of the league at at home. I mean, it's just not it's not acceptable. And for you having this need to score two three goals every week to just even get a point. Um, is very concerning if you're trying to make a title push. So, yeah, I think I agree with you. The the, the odds are shifting heavily in the city's favor. The odds are the Vegas, the Vegas odds are too. City are favorites right now to to win the league. So, it's it's not over yet. There's plenty of time. But I mean, it seems as as um as if Arsenal has to win out now, and that they have the hardest stretch of games at this point. Still having to play City, Newcastle. Um, they play Chelsea. Obviously, when we talk about Chelsea every week, they're trash. But it's a derby game, and anything can happen in those those heated games. So, um, as well as Brighton. So, and those are your next four. And to win in all four of those games is 
almost impossible in, in 99% of people's eyes, but um, anything's possible. And, and this is all just, this is all considering City went out the rest of the year. Right. But yeah, I, I keep telling myself that as well. Like, surely City drop, surely they get a draw or something. Like, they just aren't on it and they get a draw. But then I, I just tell myself, like, if there is a team that is going to just absolutely pump the rest of the way through and perform in the UCL and rotate the squad enough and continue to innovate tactically, it's them. Like, across every league in Europe, it's just them. So I still don't think, like, I don't know. I, I don't I don't want to say anything broad. Like, I don't want to write us off all the way. Um, but it is depressing to have watched the past three weeks because we could have wrapped the league up and I'm hearing bottle. I'm hearing all of this shit, but like, I, I don't, I'm struggling to think of another team that is this young and has performed at this level, this consistently throughout a Premier League season. So I'm, I'm just, even if we don't win the league, even if we play second or whatever the fuck, like this season is a resounding success. I don't. Th- I would hope that nobody tries to take that away from not from me, but like from these players because they're extremely young. It's kind of a piecemeal team. I mean, we spent we spent money, but I don't think anybody expected Arsenal to be this good this year. No, you looking at the transfer window. I mean, you're not really making any flashy signings. The no. biggest one being Jesus. You're picking up two Man City guys and. A couple of role players here and there. The January window, you bring in Trasarda's depth. So, yeah, I think the start of the year, you're you're thinking this is positive, top four, pushing for a title. Yeah, I'd have been thrilled. You're pushing for that. I, I would, I would, I would be exact. Ex, I just like that. Can't get the words. Out. I'd be just yeah. I'd be ecstatic. I'd be energized if Chelsea was in this situation with what we're going through with new management. But it's just the way the year's played out and with the circumstances. We're in now. It's people can t- kind of make that argument. Yeah, it might be a little bit of a choke job, but you're always thinking on the positive side. They're young. It's Mikel's first time in charge of a club uh, managing, so it's all growing pains. And I don't see this the very few of these players in this squad leaving in the summer. So it can only grow and build their character moving forward. Absolutely. What a great way to look at it. All right, I'll hand it over to you for Fulham 2, Leeds United 1. Tough, tough break for Leeds here. Tough. This was, a, this was a, a, a game they needed to get some points because uh, teams below them, uh, specifically Leicester, got a huge win, as well as teams above them got a little bit more of a gap. Um, they're still safe, though, one point above the drop. But, I mean, playing a Fulham team that have nothing to play for now at this point, very far... Um, you could say from the European spots and very securely stay staying in the league. Um, they dropped two one loss here. Harry Wilson in the fifty eighth minute. He's been playing well, filling in out there for D Cordova Reed, who did start up top due to Dan James not being allowed to play against his parent club. And then in the seventy second minute, we saw Andreas Pereira score a tap in off a anti Anthony Robinson cross into the box. Um, Leeds got a bit of a consolation there in the 79th, uh, listed as an own goal for Paulinha, um, but it wasn't enough for, for them to get the equalizer. Um, 
it seems like there's a bit the team's a bit drained for leads. There was a big goalkeeper error for Meslier. He's been slipping up as of lately, and the uh, the back line isn't too consistent. They they're rotating a bit, maybe due to fitness on players, but. You're seeing that massive loss of Tyler Adams in the middle and P- Patrick Bamford, his injury, his injuries are coming back to haunt him again. He, if he, he can't start every game, it's it's an issue for this team. And they may be going through some issues like uh, Chelsea. They have a lot of a lot of options up front to put in and the times not being utilized maybe correctly. Maybe they need to go with the same lineup, the same front four every week and just let it let them build some chemistry. Um, because now it's it's getting to a point where the, these these errors are really going to decide if they're a, a Premier League team or not. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And it is so unfortunate that Leeds weren't able to get anything out of this game. Uh, I looked at the team sheet, and I was like, this is outside of Adams. I love the, the formation they played. They played a 4-2-3-1. Um, they've done that at points this season, but Somerville's out on the right playing like right attacking mid. Uh, with Rodrigo up top, it's it's a shame that they didn't have Bamford uh, at full strength to start here, using him as the target and having those guys feed balls and would have been entertaining to watch. Um, they just have missed Tyler Adams so much as the enforcer in the middle of the park, and the more and more you watch, the more and more you feel that way. Um, signing of McKinney hasn't necessarily been fantastic. Just don't think uh, he's been set up honestly in this lead side. Uh, to to succeed just because of the entire going down situation, uh, it's tough to to jump from Juve who were dealing with issues of their own, uh, right into right into this lead situation. That is that is never easy, and to lose the manager that basically recruited you uh, within the first week of your arrival, uh, it's it's also not not an easy thing to deal with. Uh, but we should give props to Fulham, who performed well without Mitrovic. I mean. Not necessarily their their finest day, but Harry Wilson I think has two goals in two weeks now, and we saw Andreas Pereira get on the score sheet in the seventy second. The only consolation was that own goal from Paulinha in the seventy ninth minute. But Fulham and most specifically I think Anthony Robinson uh, deserve a, a round of applause for this one because it's not an easy game. You know Leeds are going to come into it fighting um, and at least trying to secure some sort of some sort of point. Uh, total and they they weren't able to do it so uh, props to Fulham for sure and and definitely big big ups to Anthony Robinson who I think has been underappreciated really all season. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's in the last six games for Leeds in the league they they've given up twenty goals now. It, it's just on a, on a three game losing streak now they're just plummeting in the in the form in the form category and it's just not the right time of year to do that and. Tomorrow, um, as of recording tomorrow, they're they're hosting Leicester, who are directly with them in the table. Uh, it's a massive six-pointer and could really seal their fate where they finish in the league. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we'll move on to Palace versus Everton. A nil-nil result um, at the home ground for Crystal Palace. Man, this one was, was tough to watch. I I would say there was a grand total... Of Everton had five shots on target, but I don't I don't feel that any of them were super concrete chances. The two chances I felt were were sharp were were from Palace. Uh, one was wide, and they went they went close. I think later on in, in the second half, it was around the 65th minute. Um, but overall, just like a very 
just rigid, uh, kind of tough game to watch. This is the lineup that Palace have been playing since losing uh, Wilf Zaha. I think he'll be, he should be back relatively soon. I don't think they're shutting him down for the season. We saw, strangely enough, we saw Dominic Calvert Lewin get a start in this one. Started up top. He shed his three clothes for an Everton kit once more. We get to see that two, three, five times a season if we're lucky. Uh, but overall, just a really, really poor performance from Everton. A poor performance from Palace as well. Uh, I don't think Everton will be upset with the way that they played and still taking a point. They still defended well enough to hold Palace at bay. And they've been scoring a shit ton of goals over the past three weeks since since basically um, Hodgson has come in. So, you know, I said it's a poor performance from Everton. I just think it's poor that they weren't able to get three from this one because they defensively stayed in the game. Uh, no counterattacking really came to fruition. Uh, they've got Awobi in there. They've got Damari Gray, Calvert-Lewin. You can't really rely on DCL for pace, but Damari Gray and Awobi certainly uh, you can rely on them for individual skill. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Not, not a great game for Palace either. Nil-nil against Everton, who you know, uh, in your current form, you could probably defeat. Isn't great. Uh, but Palace are on 37 points now, secured right there in 12th. Everton, they're going to take the point. Uh, they're, they're level with Leicester. They're a point behind Leeds. Uh, and if they can get a couple more draws or maybe even a win, I think we're going to see them stay up. So... Not, not the end of the world for Everton here. Yeah, I think the presence of DCL was felt here, definitely more so than Mopai and Gray. And sure. Those previous guys up top, Ellis Sims, who's come late in the year now after being promoted from the 23s. So he definitely, you could see his touch on the ball was nice. He was creating, uh, he was creating opportunities that those other players I don't see can do on a regular basis. They, yeah, like you mentioned, they'll take the point, especially after getting a double yellow to Holgate at right back, playing a man down the last uh, 15 minutes or so. Jordan Ayo was a big problem. He couldn't he couldn't keep up with him and handle him. He's been a big a big step-up player for Roy since uh, Zaha's injury and since Hodgson has come in. He's still undefeated. Uh, speaking as for Hodgson, three wins and a draw. And if they're playing all their their schedule at this point of the year is is in their favor. Le- win over Leicester, Leeds, Southampton, and then drawing Everton. They're playing teams all below them, and they're raking up the points exactly at the right time of year where people thought they were going to drop off. But yeah, un- an underwhelming performance as you mentioned. That's how Everton set up, and they want you to play just underwhelming. And it was a gritty match from start to finish. And I think Everton, you mentioned, had more chances, and I think somebody could add a goal, but. It just wasn't meant to be on the day, and it's one of those that you kind of just uh, don't really have too much to break down, and you kind of just walk away just shaking the other team's hand and saying, all right, good luck the rest of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's move on. Liverpool 3, Nottingham Forest 2. Man, this was this was a shocking banger. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was a bit of a shocker for both um, in different aspects, Liverpool at home giving up two goals to Forrest, who have been horrendous away this year. Um, that Those two goals added up to a total of seven goals on the road now for Forrest, um, giving up 39. And um, for Forrest, three set-piece goals you give up, um, being a newly promoted team, first time in the, in the Prem uh, in over 20 years. And 
not being able to stop set pieces where is more manageable rather than open play against top top tier talent like Liverpool have an abundance of on the throughout the squad. Forty um, seventh minute, Jota from Fabinho. Fifty first minute, we saw the return of Nico Williams to his former club get a goal, assisted by Gibbs White. Jota again in the fifty fifth from Rabo. Sixty seventh minute gives White on the scoring sheet this time, and. Then we saw the winner in the 70th, Mo Salah, assisted from Trent. Trent, again, playing in that midfield role. Yep. Ever since that shift has happened for Liverpool, uh, a draw and two wins now, and a total of 11 goals in those three games. It's They're asking a bit more out of Konate, playing more defensively out wide, where um, maybe ideally we wouldn't like him to be, but it's a short, temporary thing until they can figure out a long-term plan if they want to continue this style into the into the summer break. Uh, same with Robertson. Maybe against a city, you're not going to be able to see him push up as high if Trent's in the middle. So it's a, it's a short-term thing now that's working for them due to them not having to play the top-end teams uh, predominantly the rest of the season. Plus, they have a game in hand, so their push for top four is looking really good. And for Forrest, on the other hand, it's a uh, it's a bit demoralizing now. They continues an 11-game streak without a win, four straight defeats, and now they play. They play on um, what's that? Wednesday, hosting Brighton. So yeah, it's looking really bad for them. The only thing they can hope for is other teams continue to to uh, suck, just like them, I guess, for lack of a better term. And that bottom five, it seems like, is breaking off. It seems like Bournemouth and 15th to Palace have kind of gone themselves out of that that uh, narrative so um two of these five teams will will be fortunate due to others being worse than them i guess and it might come down to them facing off against each other as this year winds down yeah that's for sure um you know what i took away from this game more than anything was obviously that you know trent is so much better ranging forward uh but more so that liverpool kind of look more like the Liverpool of yore where they're just scoring at will. Uh they're not necessarily scoring in the same way as they used to. It used to be a lot of crosses. There I think there was well, I think Salah scored on a cross or maybe Jota's first goal was on a cross. Um great goal by the way. But there's just more of the um, I don't even I don't think impetus is the right word, but they seem way more confident going forward and confident that they're going to be able to put chances away. And I think a lot of that stems from the fact that Jota's in form and we're not seeing yeah. Nunez. Um, I like, don't get me wrong. I think Nunez could be the best super sub ever, dude. Like of all time, he is J- like Jisung Park when they used to, when United used to bring Jisung Park on, he was so good. He was so clinical. He always found his way in Get, got yeah. in or, or beat somebody and was able to just finish low in the corner, right? Like, Nunez is so quick, and he's wiry, and he's, like, slithery. He's he's a terrible finisher, but he can learn how to do that. Put him on in the 70th minute and let him run riot. But for the buildup, for when you're trying to control the tempo of a match, and let's be real, Liverpool didn't really do that in this one, um, you need to have Salah for sure, and I think Jota is just a much better winger than Nunez. So, you know, this was offensively a fantastic performance from Liverpool. Still suspect defensively. They got absolutely torn apart twice. Uh, Williams with the goal in the 51st and Gibbs White in the 67th. I think they were lucky to not concede another as well. Uh, Somebody leaned back on one late on. 
I think it was maybe Mangala or somebody ranged forward, leaned back on one, sent it over the bar. But Allison continues to just not impress me whatsoever. I, I think he's mega overrated. Uh, Liverpool, I, I don't want to say they're lucky to get away with three points in this one because they did outplay them uh, on the offensive side. But, you know, it was... It wasn't clean, that's for sure. It was just a really good performance from Jota and Salah. Yeah, I don't know um, what's your take on like Nunes being a substitute now, even though they paid up to $80 million for him. Yeah. I guess it's no different to Chelsea with Mudrik and they're not working out for them right now, but I just think maybe, maybe it's a long-term plan. Maybe you don't worry about the price tag as long as he's in there and you plan on him being there in the long run. The money will eventually just be worth it. Well, I mean, I don't know, like, if this comes down to a formation, like, maybe a potential formation change or restructuring of... Well, you, have, you have five guys that can start up front. And, yeah, you know, exactly. And in there, and then the other two spots are up for grabs. But all those guys are young. I think Jota's the... Yeah, he's the, the oldest. oldest yeah. Out of the four guys we're talking about, and Nunes, Gakpo, and and um, Diaz now. Yeah, um, Jota's twenty. 26 yeah so it's not even like he's that old like just turned 27 two weeks ago so he's still in his prime years but so so there's two parts of that that i'll like two parts that i'll kind of dive into one is the formation change maybe potentially taa gets a starting role in the midfield you start to rebuild the midfield or you play with two dms and you play with more across the top play three in the back i don't know who knows we don't know what klopp is obviously tactically um I think pretty set in his ways. You saw how long, like you see how long it takes for him to sort of change things when they're not working, like the cross and inshallah that worked for them forever and took him a year and a half to change it. Um, And then the other thing about Nunez being on the bench now is it sort of just comes down to the overinflation of transfers and the overinflation of, of pricing players. It's players are just fucking expensive. I don't think the bubble's going to pop. Um, sometimes you see transfer outliers where you get a world-class player for way cheaper. Um, like Holland kind of comes to mind. That was 60 mil. They paid more for Nunez than City paid for Holland, which is nuts. Um, but yeah, I just think that's kind of what it comes down to. Chelsea have paid a ton of money for players who aren't even you know, remotely close to the impact of Holland. And I think everybody kind of knew that Holland was going to be... Well, I mean, he has scored more than our entire team. That's what I mean. I don't think people thought he would score like, you know, 50 in all comps or 60 in all comps. It's probably going to be 60 at least. Oh, yeah. I think he's like 47, 48. So I think 60 is probably like maybe conservative, honestly. He's got two rounds of Champions League, maybe two. Um, And then an Arsenal defense with Rob Holding. He could have 12 next week. But um, yeah, it, it, that's just the way it is now. I think you're gonna you're gonna pay a fuck ton for players. Um, we paid almost seventy mil for Gabriel Jesus, who was like riding the bench for a majority of last year. It's just what you have to do these days. And if you want a young player, especially like Nunez or like you said, Mudrik, you're gonna pay out the fucking ass. It just is what it is. Yeah, I think it doesn't. I think the price doesn't matter as much. Like we're talking about, like if it's a successful signing. Yeah, if it's good, who cares? But yeah, and it's the problem is if you're having to buy players at that price every every summer. Yeah, and it kind of adds up, and then it's like we shouldn't have to keep doing this because then it's the the positions are just kind of jammed up with competition. You got guys like Pulisic, Sterling, 
um, Mudrick, all these guys on Mount, all on high wages, and they're all playing the same positions, and you can't utilize them all at the same time. So then that kind of gets becomes a clusterfuck. But I think Liverpool's going in the right direction, and you talk about the the cross and inshallah now with Trent in the middle, you're getting that vertical more of those speedsters in uh, Salah, Jota, Nunes coming off the bench, playing a hard 30 minutes, um, going at tired legs. It's 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 a massive difference that teams, I think, will eventually adapt to. But right now, we you don't really see many teams have an answer for it. Yeah. Um, okay, let's move on to the next one. Brentford won, Aston Villa won. Another truly gritty result from an Aston Villa side who I am growing increasingly fond of. Brentford went ahead in the 65th minute with a goal from who other than Ivan Tony. Um, in the 87th minute, however, Douglas Louise was able to score. Uh, I mean, it was it was late, but he was able to get in there. Uh, Louis, it was scrappy. I mean, it was kind of nasty. There was an initial chance. Dinier sent in a cross. Uh, me couldn't really get it out. Buendia controlled it, uh, and then he just passed it right to Louise. He finished the first time right past Raya. Uh, just gritty. I mean, it wasn't pretty at all. It was not a beautiful game by any stretch. Villa had some chances. Brentford had more chances. I think they had five shots on target total. Villa did control the pace, even though even when they went down, which was good. They didn't get frantic or anything like that. Um, I think part of that comes from the fact that you know the rest from here on out, being in like you know around seventh, eighth, above Liverpool, above Brighton, above Chelsea, the rest is fucking gravy, man. They're they're just trying to get themselves, you know, more cemented into European con- uh, competition. I don't think that's going to be a problem, honestly. Uh, I do think that that they'll be able to to stay where they are right now because they're playing so solid, um, and that's part of where they take the confidence from. A loss here would have been catastrophic, probably for that, um, you know, that conquest. But they were able to to get that goal at the end, beat a Brentford side who weren't easy to beat. And uh, now I think they've got looking like 13 possible, thirteen points out of the last 15 possible. I mean, Villa are in absolutely scorching hot form. Uh, and they, they got a point here, even not at their best. Yeah, I think the European chase has been narrowed down to the top eight, cutting off at Brighton. Yeah. And Brighton have three games in hand on Villa. Um, so, I mean, if they win all three of those, that puts them... Right there in fifth, comfortably one point behind United at this point, uh, depending on that. Uh, I think one of those games in hand is against United, so um, they still have a, an outside chance of top four, but I think that's the cutoff at this point. Villa, you mentioned in hot form, that's nine games now unbeaten. I think that's second best, only behind Arsenal, who have a 10-game unbeaten streak in the league. They really were out of control in this game, it seemed like. Bright, or Brentford excuse me, had some good counters to how Villa play. Uh, they play that Moreno out that attacking left back role plays more of like how Rabo does gets up a lot in the attack, but uh, and Buemo was really neutralizing him and getting a lot of space in behind uh, Kevin Shad early in the second half. There was a substitute change for Martinez in goal. Apparently he had stomach cramps and he subbed himself out or something. So Robin Olsen came in and, Whenever he's in, it's a big uh-oh for Villa because he is really bad. Yeah, There was a, a, a ball in over the top. Saad touched it by Olsen, who didn't get a full grip on the ball. And Saad, with an open goal 10 yards out, misses the net. Um, I think that was a big deciding factor in how the rest of the game went. But 
Yeah, I don't know. That last like ten minutes, Villa just turned something on and just really pushed. And I don't know if if Brentford went more defensive and just tried to pack it in. He did uh, speaking for Thomas Frank. He did put attacking subs in, which maybe a bit might have been a mistake uh, at that stage of the game where you're home. Maybe just hold it down, but it was a uh, it wasn't meant to be. So yeah, um, I don't know how this is for Brentford because now they're. They've been really poor for them. The opposite, you'd speak of Villa now. Six games without a win. And now they, they host Chelsea, which is a perfect opportunity for them to win and bounce back. So um, I'm a little bit worried for that sense. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. That seems like at the beginning of the year you would have thought, yeah, this was a pretty fair draw. These are both mid-table teams. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, let's move on. Leicester City 2, Wolves 1. Yeah, I mean, massive, massive, massive win for Dean Smith and Leicester. We saw the lineups come out, and I was a bit surprised for Leicester because they played, we talked about last week, them having to pick a striker to play the the whole 90 or so, or 80, whatever, and he kind of just mind-fucked us and just put all three of them out there. Yep. Um, obviously, Harvey Barnes is injured, and Dewsbury Hall wasn't in the starting lineup, so... All three of those guys, Vardy up top, Iannaccio behind, and Daco is on one of the wings with Tete on the right. Uh, Tillyman's in there as well, who did make an error in the 13th minute. Too much on the ball, dawdling, and then uh, Wolves pounce. Mateus Cunha getting his first there in the league, uh, getting Wolves off to a hot start. Uh, the game was pretty even, maybe more so in control of Wolves possession-wise, and then balling over the top, Jamie Vardy touches it by Saw. Saw um, just... Bad decision takes out Vardy, clips his ankle, yep. who had to get substituted after that, I believe. Yes, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, he did. At, at the half he did, and Iannaccio stepped up and buried it. And from there on, it was Leicester was in pretty good control. Wolves didn't have too many chances after that, um, concrete chances. They had three total shots on goal uh, to Leicester's eight. And then we saw the winner come in the 75th, ball whips out to the left side. Christensen, the left back, Puts a ball in, and out of all people, the, the opposite fullback, Timothy Cassania, puts in the winner, um, which shows how Leicester's just been anybody at any time can score yeah. for them. So it's a big it's a big win for Dean Smith, a nice bounce-back win after getting his uh, debut game against City. Not a good way to start, but gets the crowd going and now puts them out of the relegation zone for the first time in a few weeks. Um and now they go into a massive game tomorrow against Leeds, which they can ride this form high and could put themselves in an incredible spot, which would be um, if things stand three points above the drop. Yeah. I mean, you know, this game going into it, I it's not necessarily a game that I was mega excited about watching. Uh, having watched it, I don't think I truly gained anything in terms of knowledge that I didn't already know about either of these teams. Uh, it's nice in general just to see Leicester get three points. Uh, I feel like I've watched so many games where Leicester have just gotten carved open defensively this season. So to see them, although not performing at, you know, full clip or anything, to see them get a result where they only concede a goal and they get three points is nice. It's nice to see. <laughs> um, they've just been so, so shit this year, and I don't really want to see them go down. I like Leicester City. I always have um, since they've come back up. I mean, it's, it's probably only half of the time I've been watching Prem. I think they came back up in 2015 because that was the year Arsenal finished second. 
uh, to them. And they were so fun to watch. So I don't really want to see them go down. I think although their ownership situation is not great right now, uh, admittedly, they are a team that, that have some history in this league. So hopefully they are able to stay up. And I know it had to come at the, the cost of Wolves, who I've kind of been singing the praises of the past couple of weeks. But, uh, you know, it, it does happen. I believe 14-15 season was their first year back up. 14-15. Yeah, it was the year. That was the year they won, right? Uh, the following year was. Oh, 16? 15-16 was the year they won. 14-15 oh, was their first year. That was their up. promotion. Okay. Yeah, they finished 11th that year. And then the following year they won it. So that could be Chelsea. Uh, you never know. Uh, Let's hope speaking not. Speaking with, with Potts now, apparently being the, the number one now. Um, we can talk about that afterwards if we want, yeah. but yeah, so, um, that's all I have for here. What's the next game we got? Oh boy. Newcastle six, Tottenham one, uh, Spurs went down to St. James Park. We're up, up to St. James Park. I don't, I don't know. I think it's actually North, but, uh, they got fucking destroyed is, is what happened. Uh, Jacob Murphy Goal in the second, Jolinton in the sixth, Jacob Murphy got another in the ninth, Isak got one in the 19th, three minutes later, scored another one, Callum Wilson scored in the 67th, and hidden in there was Harry Kane, who scored in the 49th. Um, There is too much to talk about the individual goals here. What I will say is Tottenham got absolutely sliced and diced into a tiny million little pieces. Poro got cooked. Perisic got destroyed. Trippier and Byrne were locked down. Willock produced an unbelievable assist. Um, Sean Longstaff was fantastic. Guimaraes doing Guimaraes things. They subbed him off because they didn't even need him. And Murphy and Isak were absolutely sensational. This Newcastle side has been transformed for a second time since Isak has come back. Um, they have just been so clinical, so tough to defend. Isak is so wiry, yet so strong and so clinical. It is truly shocking, and they got an absolute steal for the man. He has been so good for them, and he transforms everybody he plays alongside into a better player. So, Jolinton, we've seen him too in the past two weeks. Murphy... He's been in unreal form as well. So a really good result from Newcastle. Uh, fantastic offensive performance. But more than anything, this comes down to the way the Tottenham defended. Shambolic in every single sense of the word. Uh, Lloris, I believe, subbed off at halftime. We saw Fraser Forster come in. There's some drama uh, in the locker room. He spoke to the lads at halftime. And I don't think um, Stellini was happy with what he said. So... I don't know if he subbed himself out or if, if Stellini subbed him out. I still haven't gotten to the bottom of that. I was reading a little bit earlier, but then stopped. Um, and and Spurs were just completely shambolic. So on the back of this, uh, I'm sure everybody has heard the news already. If you listen to this show that Christian Stellini has been sacked. They sacked the interim manager, and it'll be Ryan Mason who's taking over as interim interim manager until the end of the season. Yeah, he took them over this time uh, previously. Yes. I think, yeah. So I don't know if that was in between the, the Mourinho-Nuno era. I might be wrong about that or if it was after Potch. But um, he didn't do – he did like a mediocre job the last time. But the only negative thing I can say about Newcastle is I got a grape with Longstaff cucking my boy Dan Byrne from scoring a header yeah. <laughs> in my fantasy week. So – 
he screwed me there. Um, but yeah, massive dub for them. I think it all came down to Stellini deciding his final game to just say fuck you and play a back four, which they said Tottenham haven't played a back four in 15 months. And with the form that their defense is in, I mean, they just absolutely got destroyed. And he decided not to go back to a back five until the 32nd minute when they was already 5-0. So um, confused. I'm really confused there. Decided to start uh, Pape Star, the 20-year-old who got looked like he was uh, a lost puppy. It was just... They said this is the second fastest uh, game to go to 5-0 behind, I think, Watford went down 5-0 18 minutes after playing Man City. So... That's a record there. They said Spurs' worst loss in the league was 7 nothing. At that rate, it looked like it was going to be 12. But Newcastle let off the pedal, which I don't understand why. They could have padded their stats a bit more. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's just so much wrong. And I, I, weirdly, it, it makes me happier to be a Chelsea fan to see another big club like this even worse. But still, for how bad they've been... They're still in fifth place, 14 points above us, which is just so mind-boggling to me and shows how bad we've been this year and just how much of a difference a number nine makes. So I don't know how, how they fix things from here. Um, they're in a similar spot like us with an interim manager, and uh, they, have, they have something to play for. They can play for Europe, but... Uh, I don't know where the morale of these players is. Yeah. All right. Uh, up next, this one's you. Bournemouth nil, West Ham, shockingly, four. Yeah, David Moyes getting a massive win. That's two wins out of three. Yep. The last three, the other one being a massive comeback draw against Arsenal. So now they're six points above the drop. They have a game in hand above all the teams below them. I believe that game in hand is against Man City. So... We'll say they're still on 34 points, but anything can happen. We've seen before with City. Um, scoring started in the fifth minute. Mikel Antonio, 12th from Paqueta, both off crosses and headers. Uh, the third, a nice little run from Rice, uh, smashed a rebound back in. And then from there, it was kind of back and forth. And then we got the fourth goal from Pablo Fornells, the substitute, who did a nice little scorpion kick. Didn't come off perfectly, but was definitely the flashiest goal of the weekend. Um, bit surprising from Bournemouth. They've done decent the last couple games. I mean, two big wins over Leicester and Bour- and uh, Spurs, um, as well as a big win over Fulham in their last five. I mean, they did a good run now. I mean, if they keep this up, they might drag themselves back into a relegation scrap. And they've done good so far to get out of it. But, I mean, they've given up 63 goals now, which is the worst. And um, I believe they have uh, they play what is that they play Thursday against Southampton, so a massive six pointer which could give life to Southampton. But um, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what happened for Bournemouth here. Yeah, I mean, I just this was a complete collapse. Um, West Ham, I will say, like they looked. They have been looking a lot more threatening on the offensive end. Antonio seems to be back in pr- pretty decent form, really. I think he scored midweek against Ghent as well. So that's yeah, not the semifinals of the Conference League as well. Yeah. So you know, no, it's not like these guys are on. Um, they're not well rested or anything like that. I think they're just right now 
feeling themselves offensively. They're putting putting the ball in the back of the net. And when you're getting goals from Paqueta, Antonio, Fornals, you're getting goals from Rice in the center of the park. Um, it's not like this West Ham side are terrible. If you think back to last year, like they were, they were pretty decent. You know, they were in the top ten in the league, uh, and they've only really improved with the signing of Paqueta. So. Yeah, I just think West Ham are in a good spot right now. They're they're feeling it. Uh, probably could have been five. I think Cornet got varred off there towards the end. Yeah. Um, and Bournemouth just they they did, didn't show up. You know. Um, I am, you know, I I don't know why they would drop. Um, never mind. That was a different game that I was thinking about. Uh. Um. Sorry, that was Nottingham Forest who had dropped Brandon Johnson. Right. Um, but yeah, I just I don't know. They 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 did look really shitty. They've held they've held the the line much better uh against teams like Arsenal and and teams like who else did they play tight this year, Bournemouth? It was a big club. Um both, both matches against Spurs were 3-2. They won one and then the Yeah, was that's what, it was a couple weeks ago. That's what it was. Benton Court scored the winner in like extra time in the 90 something minute. Yeah. And they just um, got absolutely blown out of the water by West Ham, who were, you know, they're in good form, but Bournemouth could have used this as momentum, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, they tied Newcastle back in February. They got a a big win over well Nobody really else. But, I mean, they've done reasonable. They've been playing tight games, and this may be this might be a blip in it. But they they can't keep it up now. Like I mentioned, they got Southampton this in midweek, which yeah, they have to win that, which could give life give life. But if they can get a win over Southampton, that's one spot they kind of can put to bed for that relegation. They might kill Southampton's season. Yeah, you just want to get yourself further up. Like you just want to get yourself in and around West Ham. Yeah, this was a six pointer because both of those those teams were. They're close on points, you know. Only one point yeah. separates West Ham and Bournemouth now. Um, they absolutely would have liked to to be that team that's in thirteenth instead of, or, or yeah, closer to to twelfth, eleventh than where they are right now in fifteenth. And this was a prime opportunity that they squandered. Yep. All right. Um, that is everything in terms of recap. Um, we're doing our previews on the show now, right? Because our yeah, I mean the games start tomorrow. Yeah, recap from the weekend record-wise, another pitiful showing from me especially, but all went negative. Evan and Zach, three and five. I went two and six. Hate to see it. Still bad, really bad, but I'm trying, trying a couple different picks here. Might look a couple long shots, and we'll see if that bounces back. Um. All right, Wolves versus Crystal Palace tomorrow at 2.30. Zach and I both have a draw. Um, my logic is both of these teams have, I would say are 90% safe. And I think if it's the 80th minute tied, I think they kind of walk the rest of the game. So I think they share a point here. I'm going to take Palace. I think after that disappointing performance against Everton, they're going to be hungry to score some goals. Um, And I think Roy gets the boys up for this one. I'll take Palace. Um, Up next, Aston Villa versus Fulham. I'm going to take Villa in that one. I've sort of adopted them as an enjoyable team year down the stretch, and I think that they've got what it takes to beat Fulham, especially without Mitrovic. Yeah, Zach and I both have Villa as well. I think it's a bounce-back game for Villa, and 
same kind of logic. Fulham are pretty cozy now, even though they're on a two-game win streak. I think Villa kind of opened things up and run the midfield a bit um, with only two in there for Fulham. Okay. Um, Leeds United versus Leicester. Who you guys have there? Um, Zach has a draw. I'm going with Leicester. I'm more confident in Leicester's attack um, rather than Leeds' defense. Both of these teams defensively have been really, really bad, but uh, I have more... I guess I just have more faith in um, Leicester having more quality in their team, but every every time we've said that, they've let us down. So um, this is this game. Any of the three can happen. You could you could tell me any of them, and I'd be yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I um I think I'm with you. I'm right in that same boat. I think I trust Leicester's attack a little bit more than I trust Leeds' defense. That's not saying much because Leeds' defense, like the bar, is literally in the center of the earth. Um, Leicester City are just one step above them in the lower crust. So I will take yeah. Leicester City to win this one, but you know, yeah. I this one's probably not going to be in convincing fashion. It should be an ugly game. Yeah, and James Madison didn't play the game over the weekend. He was ill, so if yep. he's fit, he'll, he'll be rested enough for this game. Yep. Uh, Nottingham Forest versus Brighton up next. I'm going to go with Brighton there. How about you guys? Yeah, we both went with Brighton as well. Last time these guys played, it was a draw, but Brighton had 19 shots to Forrest's three, 70% possession to, to their 30. I mean, Brighton play just like City do, just controlling the game. It comes down to executing, and I would imagine they can get the win here. They do decently on the road, but uh, the only thing that I think I think could be a factor is Forrest's fans. I mean, it's going to be super loud at this game, and the game could play right into their hands with the, the minimal possession and just playing counterattacks, getting in behind those fullbacks who play really high. Yep, okay. Uh, Chelsea versus Brentford up next. Uh, where are you guys here? Uh, Zach and I are both taking Brentford. I'm I'm pretty much fading Chelsea every game the rest of the year. It's really sad, but yeah, I just both of these teams, Brentford haven't gotten a win in in their last uh, six, and Chelsea haven't gotten a win in their last five in the league. I don't see Frank earning any points in the in the league the rest of the year, unfortunately. So, <laughs> um, which would be astounding. Um, his return, not getting a single point, and leaving the club off of that. So, we'll go for that storyline. Brentford win. Uh, all right. Just thinking about this one makes me yawn. Uh, I'm gonna yeah. take a draw. I I think Frank gets maybe one or two points in his his tenure, his second tenure as Chelsea manager. Um, yeah, I don't. I mean, this is going to be low scoring. I would imagine sloppy. Both teams are decent defensively, and um, outside of Tony, I don't think there's a true attacking threat like in this entire game. So uh, I'll take I'll take a draw. I think it's a low scoring draw. Maybe one one if we're lucky, but most likely nil nil. Yeah, I'm curious to see what his lineup is. Yeah, I am too. I am very curious. I, I, that's always like whenever I look, I always look at Chelsea's lineup on match day so because I have no idea. It's always weird as fuck. Yeah, it changes so much. Yep, it Here's does. The big one. Yep. Um, okay, West Ham versus Liverpool. Man, uh, I recall many of these fixtures. They typically wind up being entertaining, whether it's a route and Liverpool win. Or West Ham knocked them off. I believe last year there was a 3-2 victory from West Ham that I had uh, correctly predicted, and it was such a blast to watch. I'm going to take a draw. Uh, I think West Ham are playing super well right now. They're coming off two goals in which they've scored four goals. We know two games that they're, you know, consecutively. Liverpool are susceptible 
uh, to the counter. They're susceptible to well-crafted attacks, really any sort of attacking play whatsoever with their shambolic defense. And I think West Ham are primed to get at least one goal in this game. And I'm, I'm kind of hoping for a West Ham overperformance on defense to lock that Liverpool attack up. But uh, I do think that this game ends in a draw. I can see it being a 2-2, just like it was against Arsenal. Yeah, that that result you're talking about is uh, November 2021 there. It was yeah. two years ago, yeah. fucking hell. Yeah, the last two, um, the most recent ones have been 1-0 Liverpool wins. I'm with you. I'm going with a draw here based on Liverpool's away form. The only thing that pulled me back is Trent in the midfield has kind of thrown a wrench into my logic with them. Yeah. And uh, Zach's going to go with Liverpool. Okay. Um, then we have the big one. Um, Manchester City versus Arsenal. This Zach game's on Wednesday. I've worked too at 5 o'clock. It's going to be fucked. Yikes. I'm either going to be super miserable or really happy. Um, I'll just take Arsenal. I, I mean... I'm not going to fade them. Zach and I are taking City. It's going to be, I think this might play in Arsenal's favor, to be honest. I think the possession will be more even, lean towards City. Arsenal on the counterattack might be super aggressive here. We're going to see Martinelli going after Akanji on that right side, probably. And then you got got Saka going at Ake on the left. If not, maybe they'll rotate some guys, but it'll be interesting. To see it, they play pretty much identical systems with those inverted fullbacks, and it's pretty much a man ver- man on man situation. Like which guy is going to play his position better than his counterpart? So I just I think I just have to go with Holland, uh, giving the edge to him. Going to it's Rob Holding. If yeah, Saliba is in there. I think my logic's a draw. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think this one just comes down to the fact that I don't think we're going to have Saliba. Um I just don't think he's going to be fully fit for this one at this point. I would I think I'd rather just put him out there like on one leg, uh like Tiger and just let him play because his positioning even if he's hobbled is better than what Holdings is and he's quicker. Um if we have William Saliba at 80% in this game, and he can just stick with Holland. I think Arsenal can definitely win the game. If we don't have him, I think there's an extremely good chance that we lose. Um, Okay, then Southampton versus Bournemouth up next. Who do you guys have here? Uh, I went with a little bit of a prayer here for Southampton, last ditch to keep them involved in the mix, and Zach did as well. Yeah, I just think Southampton way overperformed last week. Um, they did play really well, but I don't see that happening two weeks in a row. I think Southampton, excuse me, are destined to go down. So I'm going to take Bournemouth to win this one. Uh, okay. Everton versus Newcastle up next. Uh, I'll take Newcastle after what I saw last week. I, I don't think they're going to slow down for the rest of the season. They, they seem like they're just ready to cook. going to be a, it's definitely going to be a setback to reality moment because Everton's defense is you could argue is significantly more structured than Spurs has this year. Yeah, well, that's certainly true. Uh, Spurs have given up 51 goals. Everton have given up 46. It's I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Everton's going to really need to get that first goal to, to keep them in it, but Zach and I are taking Newcastle as well. Keep extending that that um, that gap in the top four. Okay. 
And then our final game of the week, Shambles versus typically Shambles, but not so Shambles right now. Tottenham versus United. Oh, wait. Um, what do you got here? Uh, after this performance this week and Stellini leaving and now Mason stepping in charge, who I don't see making too much of a difference tactically, I, I got to go with United here. Zach is as well. Um, just I don't I don't know. I the the only the only thing they have going for him is Harry Maguire's playing. Yeah. Uh I'll take United. I mean this is gonna be stupid. It's gonna this be a shit a, game. I think, but... I think this is a typical Spursy game that is a lot closer and might go in their favor if a decision goes their way. Yeah, I kind of agree. I I'm taking United, but I'm not like mega confident about it. Yeah, I'm not either. Okay, uh, I think that's everything from us. Um, make sure you check us out on social media at Post20Pod. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find all past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. This will be episode one of the week. You will most likely get another episode. Friday. Friday. Um yeah scheduled depending i don't know who's going to be on it i've worked at night but we'll figure it out there'll be an episode for you guys um but yeah make sure you check us out and uh you know leave a like leave a comment something like that share it with a friend uh we appreciate it and we'll see you guys all later this week enjoy the midweek games no gunners i guess